Hi, you're listening to Live in the Dark with Video Drew. That's with me, Video Drew. This is a production of Content Candy, and you can check out the rest of our shows by going to anchor.fm backslash video drew, or basically going to wherever you can find podcasts. We appreciate any likes, comments, subscriptions, ratings, all that fun stuff I think you do with podcasts. Who knows really though? This is absolutely my first time recording this, and I'm killing it. Okay, guys. Bye. But stick around. Welcome to Live in the Dark, which I am once again doing kind of in the dark. See, I kind of set this up. It's like once again a nighttime show. Um, We have a very special guest tonight, but before we bring him on, it's going to be kind of a shortened episode, so I want you guys to know that. Um, We're probably going to do not as long as we normally do, and so we're going to just jump right into the topic this week. Uh, But if you guys want to donate, it's streamlabs.com backslash video drew. Video drew is one word. Hey, Dagan. Hey, Brennan. Hey, some new faces. Hey, Ken. Uh, this is some this is some fans of Koi right here. So yeah, let's just bring on the man himself. It is the one, the only, the comic book master, Koi Chandru. How's it going? How are you? I am excited to be here in the dark. Yeah, it is. It is in the dark. I feel like this is appropriate for our topic at hand. Can, which um, gust. Let me... there we go. One of these spooky but lit. So what I like about this is I'm already seeing some people here that are like not my normal viewership, which is good because my normal viewership is probably sick to death of hearing me talk about Midnight Mass. But maybe yours is not sick of talking about Midnight Mass yet. Uh, I think they've only show. seen a couple tweets, a couple, mm-hmm. uh, a couple, one positive, one sassy, those not positive. That's all I've really Really? Spoken. I didn't even, this, what does this sass one say? My sassy one was, uh, what was it? It was, it was, uh, I've seen a lot of negative comments about the monologues and your lack of attention span doesn't mean it's bad writing. Dude, I, I feel the same way. So guys, if you haven't seen it, Midnight Mass is Mike Flanagan's new show. It's the guy who did uh, Haunting of Hill House. He did Dr. Sleep, the sequel to uh, The Shining. He did Gerald's Game. It's also on Netflix. He's done a bunch of things. I don't know. I really liked Ouija Origin of Evil, which he also did, and Oculus. Uh, he's a hard director who has a lot of like deep, interesting takes on just, I don't know. I, I think I would call it kind horror or like, or, or like, you know, sort of a comfort horror almost like it is very meditative. Whatever uh, the opposite of torture porn is while still being yes. in the horror genre. Thank you. That's exactly what it is. It's whatever the opposite of torture porn is to the extent that this show, I don't think even has that much like violence, uh, but all, all the violence is like animal based and really breaks me. Yeah. Uh, so, Koi, were you like a fan? Of, were you a Flana fan? Uh, I, was, for... I was a big Flana fan, which is actually why I jumped on it. I was a big Flana fan. And I also have been really trying to 
I'm trying to find gateways into horror that mm-hmm. I feel like are the approachable horror, which is why I'm a fan of his. I, I generally struggle with dark content because the world's mm-hmm. so dark. Like, I know a lot of people get catharsis out of it. I know a lot of people find uh, certain redemptive qualities in the credits rolling after they've had a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. But I think the way I stay so positive is I don't add um, horror to my my mental Rolodex because I, I, I watch the news and I'm aware of the world and I'm not being like hyperbolic when I say it. it tarnishes my reality to add more to that and i do think we're living through pretty unprecedentedly shitty times not Mm -hmm. maybe as bad as other people see it or not as good but like i don't think we need to add trauma if you view the world like i do so i i generally find positive content the best way for me to keep my overall optimistic worldview but Mm -hmm. i also don't want to be someone that's like writing off an entire genre like, I don't right. think it's fair to a genre that has so much merit, so much artistic integrity, so many fans that cross over with mine. I don't think it's fair of me to go, nah. So I find his work is a great middle ground for me to appreciate without having to dive into stuff that makes me uncomfortable. It's so, it's so funny to hear you say that because uh, not to derail this, this, this clown we're having, but my ex-husband is a news anchor for a major news outlet, very positive person like yourself. And also will not like not even go steer near anything that might be remotely horror because I think his outlook is just like he needs to stay like positivity is so hard to come by and being a positive person is like a genuinely positive person is so hard to come by. But this is something I would have liked to show to him as well, because I think it's just I don't want to say like it's smart TV, but it's definitely like deep television. Like this is meditative television. Oh, I think it's Um, wicked smart. I think it's a great way to get people that aren't in the space to like, like, do you know who Yellow Wolf is? No. Yellow Wolf is a rapper I love. And he's got like a country bent to him. He's from Alabama. He plays like he's got hip hop over banjos. Like he's a very, there's a song called Fiddle Me This where he's literally rapping over fiddles. And I don't particularly like country music, but it's a great way if someone likes country for me to go like, hey, I identify with you through this. Like it's a nice Venn diagram center. And I feel like Flanagan is a really beautiful center between like thrillers and psychological things to horror. So it's like the gateway between Fincher and James Wan or the gateway between like, and that's why I appreciate it. I mean, so were you like, uh, where did you go in? I mean, before we get into the religious stuff, if anyone hasn't seen the show on Netflix, we are going to probably get into spoilers. We'll try to give you a spoiler before we get into anything too hard. But uh, what was your sort of take? Had you seen any trailers for this show? Like, did you have a sort of a concept of what it was going to be before you got into it? I actually avoided every bit of footage um, because with comic book content and with most of the stuff I cover, I'm covering it so heavily that by the time I see it, it's kind of like putting together scenes between the scenes I've seen that drives me insane. Like I, I don't get the benefit of enjoying comic book movies the first time very often. I'm usually Mm -hmm. like, if I see 20 minutes of footage and it's a hundred minute movie, I'm like, well, let me put together the comic book plus the things I've seen. Mm -hmm. And you you know, you kind of, so for this, I was like, I don't know a lot about um, religious myths. I don't know a lot about horror and I don't know a lot about this property. So I want to avoid anything so I can have a full new eight hours. I want to have seen nothing. And I'm a big fan of um, the people behind it. So I knew I trusted them. And then everyone I respect in the horror space loved it. So I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, I don't need to see anything. I'm going to trust Perry and everyone else. And so I just dove in. It was wonderful because I didn't have to go like, oh, that scene I saw, like it was all fresh. Now this is actually really interesting. So you don't know that many horror tropes and you also don't know, you said that many religious tropes. So there's like certain words that are not used in the entirety of uh, this show. And I think it's like interesting for the lack of them. Like they never mentioned the word Catholic on the mm-hmm. show, except like this, this clearly is a Catholic community. The guy is a Monsignor priest. Uh, the, the whole thing is very coded like sacrament. It's all about, you know, uh, the 
the, the holy transitional property, tra what transubstantiation, uh, you know, like when you're supposed to drink the blood of Christ and eat the wafer and stuff, being Jewish and growing up Jewish, like all that stuff already seems so freaky to me. But uh, I mostly learned about it through the horror space because it is like the exorcist. And a lot of times TV shows and movies will code uh, like horror stuff as being like, you can banish evil but you know, this is the conjuring. This is anything with the Warren family in it. Uh, the whole conjuring verse, which is like, you can banish evil by using like the power of the Catholic church. And yeah. what I knew about this show going into it was like, it was going to be the opposite of that. Uh, or at least it, it seemed like it was, it seemed like it was about an evil priest who comes to town and sort of sweeps the town up in sort of a religious fervor that might turn out to be somewhat uh, malevolent or like, you know, part of a dark mass or something evil like that. So I was trying to pick up those cues because I do the same thing as you um the show and I guess this is where we can start getting into spoiler territory it was not anti-religious and was not anti the catholic church and was not uh, necessarily anti anything um so I mean so what what were you sort of picking up on when you were watching the first couple episodes what did you think was going on I in the very beginning um I don't, how do I, how do I preface? Uh, anyone that is religious, uh, I, I have no qualms and I just don't particularly practice. So anything I say isn't a, a slight at you. It's just my experience. So with that being said, while watching it, I was really worried that I would have no context for what was going on because mm -hmm. of how removed I am. Because the first episode, there's so much jargon. There's so much uh latin effectively that i was just like will i get this show like is this one of those things where you need to have read the books so to speak in this <laughs> case that book's a big testament like yeah. i didn't know if i was going to have the exposure so i was a little worried because i was in love with the language and i was in love with uh the characterization i was in love with all those things but i was worried i wouldn't get it so in the very beginning i was like oh is this going to be something that i can appreciate but then by the second uh, that was a comment. Sorry, I should have like been like, yeah, pause. Uh, that was a comment. Thank you so much for Mighty Fucks. Uh, sorry, I said that out loud in that way. But uh, <laughs> thank you for tipping. Uh, I think he was talking about horror movies for a second. Let me, I can pull up that Yeah, read, read that out. I, I yeah, I will bring that up. But sorry, say so, so what you were saying again, and I will. Oh, I was just saying in. I was worried the language wouldn't translate, but then the characterization was so strong. It was actually gave me enough interest that I was more invested in discerning what they were trying to say. Like, it, yeah. made, it was so good that I was like, let me do a little bit of research to get these references which I know I keep bringing it back to comic books, but that's my space. That's kind of what I hope good comic book movies do. It made me go like, hey, you should read the book. I haven't read the yeah. Bible because of this, but I have looked at some of the, the things and some of the things they're referencing because of this. And I think that's what good art can do. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. And I think one of the strange things about this this show is that it can make you actually want to check out religion more than like you already have. Like this show is very much about like how religion is a tool more than anything. Like they have a speech during one of the characters AA meetings about how alcohol isn't good or bad. It's sort of like an arrival, how they have this word that they're trying to translate and they can't figure out if it means weapon or tool. And, and that's sort of like what they're getting at here, which is religion can be, is by itself just a neutral thing. It doesn't have a good or bad connotation. It just is what people interpret it to be. And people can weaponize it in awful ways and use it to like, you know, uh, uh, to just bash, you know, bash other people in and, and sort of, be bigots, but it can also be this great source of comfort and coming togetherness in the community. And sometimes it can be both at the same time. Uh, and I was just like, woof, this is both like way more positive towards religion than I thought it was ever going to be in a big condemnation of 
of how pe how people can sometimes use it. Uh, and I thought that was like a brilliant statement. I think any any zealot is going to be problematic. And I think that mm -hmm. tool is like, you know, it's like drinking is a great parallel. And I love that they used it so succinctly, but like, it's good to have a couple drinks if you enjoy that vice, mm -hmm. but it's really dangerous to have like 12 drinks if you can't handle that vice. And I think that with religion, it's something that like, get a buzz on, get your Jesus buzz, but also like, don't get Jesus hammered and kill people. <laughs> don't get Jesus hammered to kill you, which is what brings us to a good point. I will read the comment. I just found it up. So this is from Mighty P-H-U-K-S. Are you guys excited for VHS 94? I love the first two, but the new one reminds me of going to an old video store and renting out the cheesiest and goriest BS I could find at 12 years old. I'm pumped. The first two were creepy as though. Um, I feel like I'm excited for VHS uh, 94. I did not know they were doing one like this, but uh, Koi not being a horror fan might not might not be. I didn't know it existed, but I am very happy that there's an entirely new anthology based on stuff from Blockbuster because I know mm -hmm. I love that stuff in different genres, and I'm sure there's an entire. I, I imagine this is going to make a lot more people very happy. So that's all I yes. care about: people being happy. I mean, I do like the VHS franchises because it is like, yeah, it's using like analog uh, anthology, so it's like looking through an old, like you know, Faces of Death or something like this old VHS tape that's like a cursed tape, um, but. Going back to uh, what I was saying earlier, or what I was about to say, is like, I think this show specifically doesn't use specific words like Catholic. It also doesn't use a specific word that I think a lot of people probably come to mind when they watch this whole program through. And I, this is kind of going to be where we get a little bit spoilery. But like, do you know what that word is, Koi? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, vampires. I was so impressed because I really expected that to be like a last minute, like last episode, like blah, blah. But I like that it didn't weaponize that word because it allows this to be the myth that it's meant to be. I think that it allows the, the, the creature to be that interpretive creature because, you know, that is in that worldview an angel. And I think that's a fucking beautiful side by side. So, yeah, I don't watch the show The Walking Dead, but apparently in The Walking Dead, uh, nobody refers to anything as zombies because they don't, they live in like an alternate reality where zombie culture never existed. There was no George Romero. There was no like, you know, Mad Living Dead or like 28 Days Later. So that's why they call them walkers. And that's why they kind of have to learn the rules from scratch. And that's a really good device for both, I'm, I'm sure, the comic and the movie in that you get to recreate the rules and have people be like, well, how does that work without sounding dumb or without having to make a bunch of pop culture references of being like, well, don't you understand? It's just like this, but times this. Because every time you make anything that's horror, you have to kind of build the mythology from scratch. And what this does is sort of be like, well, what if that mythology didn't exist and it didn't exist in a very religious community? So their interpretation of what we would very clearly be like, well, that sucks blood and lives in the dark. And like when, you, when it sucks your blood, you suddenly get very powerful and can't go in the sunlight. We'd be like, that's a vampire. And there's a certain point where in the show, the blood starts, you know, boiling in the doctor's office. And she's like, oh, I guess this is some kind of virus. And I was like, oh, okay, this is a world where this just doesn't exist. Because that's the point where you just be like vampires. And I really love that the way they leaned into it was by doing the scientific approach without it feeling so cheesy. Like, I really, really enjoyed that it, it felt like, one, it wasn't in a universe that had it, but two... Um, I bought the scientific mumbo jumbo because it was delivered with such earnest heart that it didn't mm -hmm. feel like some movies that try to go like Shh, vampire and make up rules. Like it didn't feel like a cheesy eighties vampire movie no, where they were trying to invent an alternative. It just felt like the world. It is. It's, it's very cool. Like uh, Mike saying, they never mentioned the word, the devil. 
they barely mention the word sin and they only use sin in context of this one character, Bev, who's like, it's, it's sin to, you know, she's just kind of using it to bludgeon people. But this is a world in which religion and your relationship to religion is much more, it's almost like, a, I think of it as a very Judaic idea, which is like your relationship to religion is your relationship to, to God and, and sort of how you feel about your community. And it's not really about using it to like, be like, scare you into thinking of something. So of course, like a priest who's, you know, who comes across one of these things and who's able to turn him young again would see something with wings and like be like, that's that's an angel. Like, why wouldn't that be an angel? Why would that necessarily be evil? Because I think we interpret so much as Catholic stuff as being like fear of fear of hell, fear of death, you know, like fear of uh, Satan or whatever. And it's very cool that this was like very much not that it's it's not that at all. I also like that that last sequence um, describing the afterlife was so not only incredibly written, but so open ended, like the interpretation of each of their parallel deaths is so uh, religion friendly, but also agnostic friendly. Like it allows for all these different interpretations because yeah. I hate when things tell me how to feel. I like when things allow me to feel. And this allows me to feel so many different ways without ever being a religious like beatdown. I feel like Mike Flanagan was able to do what he preached while preaching what to do. Yes. Like he was able to be his own alcohol and religion or tools. Yeah, I feel like this show was very much like trying to have a conversation in the sense that there are some like very quick scenes in this. There's like people, cause it's all about this community. It's very Stephen King-like and that the, the whole community gets shown and everyone's doing their different things. But then it will stop and just have like one long take of like two people. A lot of the show is just two people having a conversa conversation no matter which two people it is. And a lot of times that conversation is very theological. It's like, what do we think about what happens when we die? And it's just like, what do we think death is? What do we think God is? What do we think like impulse and desire is? And what do we think, you know, our purpose here on earth is for? And for a horror show, like or a horror movie or horror anything, death is always the abject terror, right? It is just, it is just death is the moment that you transform from being yourself into being something that's terrifying and ungodly and needs to be like destroyed. Um, and I think what this show does really well is talk to you about not the afterlife. Cause again, like you said, it's not really concerned about like the afterlife in terms of what your soul goes or what something like that. It's, it's way more concerned with, I think the moment of death and how scared everyone is to be alone in that moment. Um, and what I think that end monologue that Katie Siegel delivers so brilliantly, uh, is about is just about how you don't need to fear the moment of death or like or your own death. And you can walk into it sort of like the characters at the end, walk into the light sort of as a community or as like the sense of, you know, being, being sort of one with the universe. And that's just like, not something you ever hear. It would be hard to hear in any other type of movie without being yeah, like that monologue doesn't stuff. live many places. And and his doesn't really either without the juxtaposition of hers. Like I love that his was like a very scientific based uh, perspective, but it didn't feel heavy handed because it was, it was juxtaposed with what the show is. And like, that's why I like the monologue so much. That's why I got so pissed that so many people were picking on the length of these speeches is to me, this is just another form of storytelling. Like just like yeah. uh, Aaron Sorkin or, or um, uh, shoot the writer, uh, she's amazing, Amy Sherman-Palladino, or yes. Kevin Smith. Any of these writers that have a style, I think a stylistic writing choice is way more important than following some format that bores us to death. I mean, there is a very funny tweet up, uh, I think I retweeted, of this guy whose who's thing is, it's a little video. Oh, hold on, we got another one of these. Uh, Hi, Chris. 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 Hi, Chris
I can't tell if you guys can hear that or not, but uh, if you couldn't, I will read that aloud again. Um, that was from Dagan. Thank you, Dagan. Uh, he said, hi, Koi. Looking forward to meeting you in person in New York on Saturday. Can't wait to see those matches live. Rookie of the Year is possibly on the line in Josh versus Griffith match, and Marisol looking to defend the title is huge. I mean, geez, yeah. It's going to be insane, no matter what Saturday is. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for a live event with fans. I'm so excited for, one, I like, I've, I've known of Josh for like five years. I've known Josh for a year. I'm excited to meet Josh. I mean, I I interviewed for a job with Josh back in like 2011 when he was at MTV. Uh, Amazing. And like uh, Griffin and I share so many of the same friends that like literally he came over the other night to do an episode. And then afterwards he was like meeting up with a friend of mine from like a couple years ago, I haven't seen in years, uh, who's now running a Adam McKay's podcast thing. So we just all went out for drinks and it was like, I was like, we just know the so many of the same people that I can't wait to see this match live. And of course, Marisol LA is this big. It's absurd. It really is. And I love that. Um, Eric is saying it came through the mic, not the stream. Okay. So I'll, I'll try to fix that. But um, back to the show for a second. Cause again, we're, we're only going to have a little bit of time with you. And I do want to talk about this. Was there anything, I guess my feeling about this was this was not, this is sort of like a backdoor actual let's have a conversation America and people in the world. Like this was a real show where even the the bad character, even like the, the character with the least good intentions still sat there and like would have a conversation with somebody who ideologically, you know, the Muslim sheriff like is not on the same page as her. Like, and she's the one who uses religion as a cudgel and she still is a rational player in this game. Like she's she's not a great person, and there's definitely some horrible things she does over this course of the show. Some of which are incredibly subtle and like kind of confusing, like the poison stuff. Um, but I think that like what the show is is sort of like a backdoor. Let's be all kind to each other. It's almost like a Mister Rogers messaging uh, in here, dressed up as being like a horror story. I think it's really important that we tell. Uh, ultra-violent stories as a means to peace. I think mm -hmm. getting people's attention... I think that's my biggest thing, is is if the more we close our ears to people that see the other way, the least likely we'll get progress. And I think that's why politics have fallen apart to such a level, is misinformation and tribalism are the things that are destroying us, and tribalism happens when we stop listening to the other side. So I do think it's problematic when we give certain people platforms, but I also think that it's problematic when we don't give them a place to have their opinion justified or, like a dialogue versus monologue. We're very good at monologuing as a culture. We're very bad yes. at dialoguing. So I think it's really great that this is a show about violence to gather people that might see the world one way to describe peace because they might go like, oh, I've learned through these characters that saw it to this 11. I see it at an eight. Oh wait, maybe I'm more of an 11 than I thought. And yeah. like, I, I think we're cripplingly, cripplingly Islamophobic in this country. And I think it's a really beautiful thing that we have something as um, tricky to discuss as devout mm -hmm. religion. Discuss a thing like a character being Muslim in a positive sense because there are so many, so many characters that are just dismissed under that one, like you're, you're one thing, you're one color, you're one whatever. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's really gross how we treat an entire religion in this country. So I love that it was addressed here. Rallo Kali is uh, incredible. Like he's just like one of my, he's becoming like one of my favorite a online Twitter presence. 
He's like, incredible. <laughs> he's one of the best people on Twitter, but he's also incredible in this role. And you know, I think that's I think you hit on something, which is a lot of people talk about the monologues, how long the monologues are, but they aren't monologues. These are all dialogues that people just are having with each other. No one's saying this alone in a room. No one's shouting this at each other. They are all listening. They're all taking turns speaking and they all and they're all hearing what the other person is saying during these long sort of like speeches, but they're never just speeches that are just like, and here's like what this person thinks and then end of scene. It's always, well, like having a conversation, uh, especially in that scene. I think that's really noticeable is in the scene with like the Bev, who is sort of like the Dolores Umbridge, like nurse ratchet sort of uh, figure in the church. And she's definitely the, I think the antagonist of the show, but she's sitting there in the school having this dialogue with uh, Raul Kelly's uh, sheriff character who they keep calling Sharif because they're sort of Islamophobic. Um, and it's also not clear if that's maybe his first name. I know it's not his last name, but um, he's mad because- no, I think I think it was literally just a, a racist take on Sheriff because I think his first name is said a couple times and it was like a normal oh. ass name that I was like, wait a second. Yeah, it's weird to me that this guy decided to move to this community that's an island of, full of Catholic people, like zero non-Catholics on this island, non-practicing Catholics. Um, but it's a conversation. It's really interesting because she's started bringing the Bible to church, uh, to school and handing out Bibles during class. And his son, who is Muslim, got one. And he's having this conversation, trying to explain to her why this is so inappropriate. And she's like, well, he starts talking about like Muslim religion and how Muslim believe in Jesus Christ. But they believe that Jesus was maybe, you know, different. The, the, maybe the word of God had gotten corrupted through the different texts. And, he, and she's trying to say, well, this is not appropriate to say right now. And he's going... Exactly. That's my point. This is not the appropriate forum. And they kind of go back and forth about this. And it's not what you would think, which is you would think that a normal show would have him make the moral high ground argument and her sort of get like owned. And that's the end of the scene. But instead, he kind of makes his argument. And then she responds like in this very like rational. It's not the best faith argument, but she responds in a very like like logical way, which is she, he says, like, what would you feel like if we brought the Quran to school and like start handing it out? Like you would run me out of town and her response is like i really am sad that you think that about me and like no we wouldn't and it's a bad faith argument but she's not like yelling at him over dm and like you know you know what i mean like so much of what we think of as discourse in this country is not actually discourse it is just yelling at each other while plugging our ears you know it, that moment i definitely took as her being manipulative by saying that and she actually wouldn't mm -hmm. practice it but i do agree that is a much more hopeful version of reality than the one we live in, which is a terrifying thought. Like the fact that yeah. I would rather have someone dismissively agree in light, like like in a, in a way that's clearly probably lying. Um, yeah. That's at least better than the passive aggressive way we treat so many people in this country. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. It's a totally bad faith argument because you know she then she goes on to do all these undermining things about being like, well, if it was appropriate to read any of the Quran, but like, oh, hey, the Old Testament's also got some inappropriate stuff. It's totally bad faith. But what it is, is um, it is civil. Yeah, and like which, which is the civil. thing about the script that, that is so beautiful. Like, did you watch Ted Lasso? Yes. So Ted Lasso, there's this amazing ability to not ever have cynicism. There's nothing cynical in the humor. Everything manages to be just on the upfront. To me, I feel like they did a writer's pass of this script and took out all of the, the, the things that weren't bluntly true on the surface. Like this was, this stayed on a very, <laughs> like, this is right here for us. And I thought that was a yeah. really beautiful take with this villain because everything she said, you believe she believed. And I feel like there was at least a couple writing passes of like the Bev take on this scenario. You're right. You're right. Because I think the most, the thing that I've had the most issue with while like trying to rewatch this show is sort of what happened to the priest. There's one part where he's like, he's performing miracles using the, the 
using vampire slash angel blood. Uh, but he's alive. He's been restored from being an old man with dementia to being a young man. But he's able to walk in the sun. Then something happens to him that's very similar to something that happens earlier in the show where a dog is poisoned. Bev is the only character we ever see touching poison. And she touches it a lot over the course of the show. But like when and why she would have poisoned this priest so he has to die and then come back is more vampiric is like very confusing to me. And I think you're right. I think there was probably a past where that's more explained or her motivations are made a little bit more sinister, but they decided like they didn't really need that for her. Like she's like, she's a zealot, but she's also like a, a community person. And she really does believe what she's saying. It's kind of what makes those characters so scary. The nurse ratchets, the, mm -hmm. the umbrages is that they believe in like this sort of, they, you know, we put them in the lawful evil category, but they believe in what they are saying. And that's what makes them so dangerous a lot of times. And that's why I think it's so important in this country to have dialogues with people like that, because if they're only yelling to their own echo chamber, they only get reinforced more and more and more that they're true. Like they only get more and more sure that they're right. And that's not mm -hmm. going to change if we don't have these conversations. And that's, that's really difficult to explain to people. Like I, mm -hmm. I personally think that about a year ago, Joe Rogan was still in a place of listening to both sides and trying to have a platform. And I think over time, maybe that got um, corrupted is too strong of a word, but I think over yeah. time he maybe only has a certain perspective on and it's affected his overall worldview. But I think what he set out to do in the very beginning was to actually listen to both sides. And we don't really have a lot of people with that platform right now. And it's no. a really important thing because I try to read books from both sides of the political spectrum. I try to like understand both parties. That way there isn't just this giant red blue problem. And that's only going to get worse if people are, are yelling into their own CNN versus Fox problem. No matter how extreme I lead one way, and I do lean pretty extreme one way, uh, it's scary when people are just like, nope. Yeah, I mean, it is crazy to think, like, I would have bought this movie as being plausible to live in this reality as of five years ago. But, like, in this reality, I have to believe the vampires don't exist. Trump was never president. COVID never happened. And they might not have internet. Like, that, that's all the conditions that have to exist. For this community to be so religious and still have a Muslim sheriff that they're like at least somewhat tolerate and like that he'd want to move there after 9-11 after being discriminated against uh, in New York. That this would be the preferable option, a remote island that cannot be accessed except by like ferry and like uh, where everyone is like, you know, believes in like miracles. Like uh, we watch a girl like who's in a wheelchair begin to walk. And what you're saying, I think, about Joe Rogan's especially an app comparison because right after two years almost of this pandemic, we have all become like, uh, what's the word? Um, sequestered, like in a yeah. way that is very like monk-like and becomes very much like, I don't know, I imagine it's kind of the same as being a celebrity. It's kind of the same thing as probably being like a priest or someone of very high standing in the community where we've only gotten to hear people who agree with us. Like that's the only, cause we're not around in society. We're not walking around in our jobs. We're not, having to interact with people who don't already agree with what we say, unless it's just to like yell at them. Like right. there's, no, there's nobody forcing us to have interactions with baristas or, you know, conversations with our neighbors or anything like that. So we've all become sort of in an echo chamber. I know that word's used a lot, but I think no, that it, that's, yeah. And it's only going to get worse because once the world reopens, we've already established these really strong perspectives on everything that's happened to the point where we're not going to be willing to change what we've thought for two years. The longer this goes on, the more we get, indoctrinated into our own ideals and i think yeah. the more we stay on our same little corners of internet it's really dangerous like i love that tiktok is an algorithm that's so strong that i feel like i can swipe and just have my own party like i think the tiktok algorithm is right right next to ai like i feel like tiktok's gonna start ai before skynet does it's scary because it yeah. knows me so fucking well but i do fear that 
the more successful that is, the more successful it becomes on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And then all of a sudden, the only thing we experience is through this little screen I'm looking at you on. And and frankly, I more and more worry where Koi Jandro ends and at Koi Jandro begins. I feel like oh, my wow. little hat symbol is, is, is right here now. And I don't know when I start and when my digital self ends. And I think that's going to be a problem going forward. And every generation is going to get worse. Wow, mind blown, Koi. Like, way to describe like the at video Drew conundrum to a T. But also, like, um, I I think that's exactly right. Sometimes I go on Facebook, and I'm always confused because we hear about how Facebook is so toxic. But I don't know if the algorithm has always screened stuff for me, or if my interests are just so much like here's a weird thing I've gotten into, and like now I've gone ham on Pokemon, or like whether. But like my feed has never. I feel like my feed has never gone toxic. I live in the midnight mass version of Facebook. So like nobody, <laughs> nobody is like yelling at each other. No one's spewing nonsense garbage and like discussions. As far as I disagree with like high school people I knew or uh, my mom's friend Barb or something, it's always remained on the socially respectable level. And I don't know why I get the pass on this, but I feel like I feel like it's very I'm jealous. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what, what's wrong with Facebook, but it won't show me any of the bad stuff. My but, Facebook um, hasn't caught up to years yet, but I don't use I don't use mine that often, which is maybe why it doesn't, because I feel like whenever I scroll through Facebook, if I see something like that, I tend to close it. So maybe Facebook has learned if I see that shit, I'm out. So it only gets, it's more and more giving me like, here's a puppy. To yeah, like here's a puppy. I mean, I'm part of a lot of Facebook groups, so maybe that's it. So I'm never really sure if I know somebody or if this is just like a funny meme. But like, yeah. you know, I, I I was with somebody who, and we're going to wrap it up like in the next couple of minutes so we can uh, get you out of here. Um, but uh, I was with somebody for, for a couple of years who, and this is on me for doing this, but like I was with somebody who was very much into Joe Rogan, the red pill community, like was one of these toxic Star Wars and Marvel and DC fans, like just totally somebody that I, on paper, there's nothing, there's no connective tissue, but like it was due to like circumstances and a lot of stuff. And when I look back on it, I was like, I kind of forced myself to be in conversation with somebody whose viewpoints on basically just every single thing run antithetical to what I believe is like a human being. And I wonder sometimes if that kind of made me a better or worse, or just again, like a tool, like more neutral person. Like I wonder, because I have seen like other people's arguments. I do know the mindset of like, you know, Ray is like a Mary Sue and like, you know, screw the like you know screw everybody for for making this all sjw and the whole thing like the whole i feel like it's easy to sum it all up as like this is all toxic you know far right conspiracy theory anti-vax but it's all different things right like it was all different is how we as as i mean i i think it's pretty obvious how left-leaning we both are um but like how we must seem to people that would not give us the time of day if we're not yeah. giving these people the time of day. Like I'd say we're in the top 15% leaning mm -hmm. one extreme. And I assume everyone thinks we're just like doing tons of drugs with our craziness at all times and punching babies and drinking their blood. And yeah. frankly, I don't think blood sounds that tasty. So I don't know no. what, like how extreme we are to, to the other side. So I try to at least give people a three strikes rule. I try to give people at least like, three points of, of conversation before I'm just like done. But I don't, th I think that's a lost art. I think we're losing yeah. the ability to have discourse. And I think this show more than most is about discourse on a macro scale. And it's dealing with very sensitive subject matter, like religion and violence and zealousy and afterlife and uh, loss and abortion and murder. Like it's, it's genius, but yeah. it deals with only the most sensitive shit. And it does it mm -hmm. with like kid gloves while being hyper aggressive. It's beautiful.
I mean, this is, a, I would say, the only piece of art that has ever made me want to go, oh, well, actually, why do people become priests? Like, why th these people, like, always in pop culture, priests are either, like, evil or they're, like, pedophiles or they're, you know, secretive and protective or they're, like, saintly. And they're just, like, they just come in at the last minute and save the day and do the prayer and, like, everyone's saved. There's never, like, a nuanced portrayal of, of who a priest is. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking maybe, maybe, like, proof might be one but still like that that's about like the idea of like is this guy up to something nefarious and while that is the premise of this show on the surface Hamish Linklater's performance here is so so good and it made me like want to be like oh, wait priests are just people who like really want to talk to you who are really interested in these questions like a like a rabbi would be and have like dedicated themselves and their lives and like sacrificed a lot to just sort of meditate on these questions and have conversations with people so this is the first time I was ever like, would I like a priest? Would I like to hang out with one? Would they have an interesting conversation thing to offer? And I'm sure you've dealt with it online when you someone like says some dumb shit at or about you and you respond mm -hmm. once and they immediately backtrack and they apologize yep. and they like, I imagine, I'm not going to say 80, but I'll say like 60 to 70% of these absolute assholes are of that spectrum. So even yeah. if we take 50% of those in real life, that gives us 30 to 35% of people that suck mm -hmm. that might just need a conversation. Like that might yeah. just be like, let's have a little talk. Let's see if we can see eye to eye. We might not see eye to eye and everything, but it might be a more of a Venn diagram than you thought. And I yeah. think this show really did that for me on a religious scale, on a theological scale. That's not a word, but theology scale yeah. on the macro. And it helped me like open my eyes to be more more open to having discourse. Um, and I and I think online, especially with both those being online presences, that's so important. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll, I'll, we'll sort of wrap it up here. But I will say that this whole show, really, at the end of the day, I think is about a man not trying to sell religion on anybody. Like the main character of this show, for the majority of the show, is uh, an atheist after a terrible incident that uh, he goes through. Um, and it's about the priest having a conversation with this man and not trying to push him towards religion, not trying to even make him see the world his way, but just trying to like be there for him and be his friend and, 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 you know, support him and sort of do that on a community level. And I think at the end of the day, like that's the most beautiful sentiment for what a religious leader could be. And it even implies at some point that, that Jesus Christ might've been turned into a vampire, that that's what exactly this cave did and who, what this entity was, was the thing that rose Jesus from the dead. And at no point does that come off as like an offensive idea. Because like, this is just, it's also like an angel. It is also like what you make of it. It is just, it is just something that is divine in the sense that it is outside of our understanding of it. And uh, yeah. I, I, my last point before we boogie is yeah. um, there's been this late, like, like the last two days on Twitter, this, uh, this thing offended me personally about, about Midnight Mass. And I think it's really, really uh, yeah, I noticed it was trending and there was this whole like discourse about like art and interpretation. And my two cents on that, that I think is really, in my opinion, just my take is not all art is for everyone. And if it was, it wouldn't be art. Like we need mm -hmm. to receive art that impacts us. So the fact that you were able to get that beautiful message out of this, I think is huge. The fact that I was able to watch something that was so heavily religion based that I generally would struggle with means this was art made for us just because it's not for you doesn't mean it's for no one. And I think it's really important we stop thinking the world is built for us because the world can't be. Because yeah, we're the lead of our own movie, but like a lot of people are watching their own movies. So don't yeah. be addicted to others while also finding the merit in art. Yeah, and, it's, it, we, and steer away from any generalization. This is all good, this is all bad, this is all evil. I might yeah, have not liked a certain movie. movie. 
Yeah, right. I'm bad at the end. This is why I'm not good at tweeting, folks. I only do it at 4 a.m. And it's always just subjective takes about equilibrium being crazy. Uh, Koi, where can people uh, find you when you're not talking about religion and uh, uh, Midnight Mass and Mike Flanagan? <laughs> uh, you can find me at Koi Jandro here and on Instagram and on Twitter and on TikTok because I love TikTok. It's probably my favorite social media since MySpace. It is my exact jam because that algorithm knows me better than I know myself. Uh, and you can find me on YouTube and I've got a podcast. Basically, if you type my name in, you'll find podcasts, YouTubes, all sorts of social media because I don't know where Koi Jandro ends and at Koi Jandro begins because I think I spend more hours digitally than analog. So does that mean I'm more digitally real than analog real? And other questions I ask myself far too often. Uh, I mean, it's trapped in. It's a weird social media. I mean, I'm assuming you've seen Black Mirror or maybe you haven't. Have you seen Black Mirror on Netflix? I've that seen is a decent it. amount and it definitely like... That and a decent amount of mushroom shapes my worldview, I gotta say. The, the, the John Hamm episode uh, shook my, I was too high when I watched that episode about like <laughs> cookies and like the whole concept of your like digital self being like the eternal, whatever. You, are you, uh, are you, you can a find me. Gambino fan? Sorry? Are you a Childish Gambino fan? Uh, pretty much, yeah. But I'm not like a super, I'm not super into things that aren't musicals, but that's a whole okay. other conversation. That's honest. Uh, there's an yeah. album called, called Because of the Internet that um, you can listen to it as just like a fun hip hop album, but there's also a, a script that goes along with it. And there's also an entire third way to listen to it, which is basically about um, we became gods as soon as we invented the concept of creating a different version of ourselves, right? God is a creator of light. So Because yeah. of the Internet is about the inception of the Internet made us all gods. So our avatars, our separate selves we created are their own entities. And it's this insane concept album like that rivals Dark Side of the Moon for me about mm -hmm. what it means to be alive right now and everyone should like dissect it. Um, I, I, God, I wish we had another minute because I'm, I'm going to say where I'm from, uh, but I did, I found, I just found the, the, um, the end speech from this, the end speech that Katie Siegel gives and it is so beautiful and it is just about how, yeah, we are, we are all God in the moment of death we realize or remember, not, maybe not God, but we all remember at the moment of death that we have always been and always will be part of the universe and we have just, and our self sort of fades away and our, our remembrance of being this entity or being part of the cosmic whole. Uh, and then we think about how we like forgot about it. And then we remind ourselves that we will forget it again. And so it almost ties into like the Hindu idea or like the idea of reincarnation is just so beautiful. Goddamn beautiful folks. Uh, check it out or God bless beautiful rather. Um, you can find me over at uh, video drew you're on this channel. So please like subscribe, comment, rate, whatever. Also, check out Content Candy. It's a new podcast network, so you can find that at uh, Apple, Stitcher, you know, uh, Anchor, wherever you want. It has a bunch of podcasts, uh, some of which are exclusive to online, I mean, to audio format. So that's got Garmin Shosia with me and Lon Harris, uh, The Video Chronicles with me and Nerd Chronic. We have a midnight, a long midnight mass review that's, uh, that's up, and we're about to do one on uh, Squid Game, which is awesome. Um, yeah, otherwise my Patreon's patreon.com backslash video drew. You can sign up, become fun member with a bunch of perks, including by the way, guys, uh, the little after show that we do after this. So thank you Koi for being on. I appreciate it. Uh, I know this is a little bit, a little bit of a, a down day, but I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking about the show. Cause I saw your tweet and I was like, Koi's not into horror movies. Koi like this. This is exactly who I want to talk to about this. It, it is impressive how anti this type of content I usually am in multiple ways and how this got me in all the right ways. This made my top 10 bits of art of the year and it's not oh, wow. in any way my shit. So it's impressive. Like that's how good this is. So if you need a sell on this after all these spoilers, it's the opposite of my usual world. And I loved all of it. 
Yeah. Now I just kind of want to make you a playlist of other good horror that deals with like theoreticals and stuff like that. But that's if for you have other feel good horror like Lost Boys or Cabin in the Woods, that's yeah. Not there, there is feel good horror. There is there's actually some beautiful feel good horror. I feel like weirdly, Ouija Origin of Evil uh, is a is one of his that is a feel good horror ultimately. But there there's a lot more. Let me let me think on that. I'm so looking guys, for the Ted Lasso of horror. Help me out. Yeah. I feel like we can get you there. I feel like Neurochronic might have some suggestions too. Um, but thank you guys for joining us. Uh, I will see you next time in two weeks. And until then, bye.